Hey everyone, my name is Robinson, and I'm glad you guys are joining me today. Uh, or I don't know when today is. It could be, you know, nine years from now. Today for me is June 22nd, 2020. Um, well, it's about to be June 23rd. Yes, I am up at 11.56 p.m. because I am uh, Pluto Open Scorpio, so... But enough about me. I am starting a series today that is a pretty gigantic one to start. Um, and that series is the Sacrifices Arc. I'm going to be creating an audiobook series here on Anchor. Um, I decided to do this um, inspired by maybe a fan fiction reader um, and may have heard of My Immortal. If not, don't worry about it. Uh, I really just want to get into the story because I have to say it is one of the best series I have ever read in my life. And I think that it can be really, or it could be really inspiring for many more people. And I just want people to listen to it. So I hope you give it a chance. And just as a disclaimer, I have no rights to this book. I am reading it solely out of the desire to have it spread to the world and none of its profits belong to me as I am not the writer. The writer um, is unknown to the world only as Lightning on the Wave. Lightning on the Wave, if you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to um, leave a message here, or leave a comment here on Anchor and I will happily transfer this over to you or we can talk about whatever you'd like i just wanted to bring your work to the world and um, i hope you enjoy it and um without further ado i'm gonna start with uh, book one i think today i want to see how many chapters i can get through and just you know let, let's go for it I've got this energy uh the first book in the series is called saving connor saving connor begins an AU of Harry Potter school years. And no, that is not AU, the astronomical unit. That is AU as an alternate universe where there is a change in the timeline where the original canon story has veered off or has been veered off from. And the fan fiction is taking the story in another direction. Where Harry's twin Connor bearing a heart-shaped scar, is acknowledged as a boy who lived. Harry and Connor have a loving relationship, and Harry plays the role of personal bodyguard, silent support for his brothers. And now for the first chapter. Chapter one is Brother's Keeper. What are your vows, Harry? Harry knew what they were, even though he was only five. He whispered them as his mother held him over his brother's bed, and his mother said them with him, murmured hypnotic words that Harry had heard his whole life. To keep Connor safe, to always protect him, to ensure that he lives as untroubled a life as he can until he has to face Lord Voldemort again. There was the pause for breath that his mother always took, as though she were frightened. Harry waited until she started speaking again, and then joined his voice to hers. To be his brother, and his friend, and his guardian. To love him, 
to never compete with him, never show him up, and never let anyone else know that I'm so close to him. To be ordinary so that he can be extraordinary. I remembered stumbling on that last word back on his and his brother's birthday when his mother had first coached him into saying it and not just listening to her say it. He'd never asked what it meant, though. His parents thought he was smarter than he really was sometimes. But now he wanted to know. So he turned around as his mother bored him towards the other bed and asked, Mom, what does extraordinary mean? Lily Evans Potter hesitated for a long moment, looking down at Harry as though she didn't know how to answer that. Then she smiled faintly and shook her head and sat on the bed beside him. Harry wriggled under the covers. He kept his eyes on her face, never taking them off. They both had eyes the same extreme bright green, while Connor and their father James shared bright hazel eyes. Harry considered in the secret box of his thoughts where he put everything he couldn't say aloud that he and his mother had a special bond because they had the same eyes. He knew it wasn't really true, of course. Not when Connor was the boy who lived. But Harry liked to pretend, sometimes. Lily smoothed back his fringe from the scar on Harry's forehead, absently. It was shaped like a lightning bolt. Harry knew how he'd gotten the scar. From a bit of falling rock, when Voldemort attacked. On that horrible night, he couldn't quite remember. When Lily and James had been lured away from home by the idea that their twin sons had already been kidnapped. Voldemort had stamped in and shot the Avada Kedavra curse at Connor. And Connor had deflected it and destroyed it. He had a cut, shaped like a heart, on his forehead. Curse Thinking about that night, Harry realized he knew the meaning of extraordinary, even before Lily whispered it to him. It means special, Harry. It means not ordinary. It means standing out from the crowd. She hesitated again, as though she didn't know how to speak the next words. And I have to be ordinary so that Connor can be special, said Harry, nodding. He understood. His little brother would need help from him. It wasn't an easy destiny. Lily had explained to him every day, being the one expected to defeat Lord Voldemort from scratch. Voldemort wasn't really gone, and would come back someday. Connor had to be ready for that day, had to concentrate, which was another word that Harry had learned earlier. So Harry would help him concentrate by being ordinary. He didn't know just how that would work yet, but he would find out. Whenever he looked over at Connor, he felt a fierce surge of love ripple through him. Connor was special, and he was going to be special. Harry would help him. When he glanced back at his mother, she was smiling at him. That secret little smile that only the two of them shared. She nodded, whispered, yes, Harry, that's it, exactly. And kissed him before she stood and walked out of the room.
And Harry knew then, in a rush of joy, that their special bond wasn't fake after all. His mum trusted him to take care of his little brother. That was important. That was special. He turned and bowed in the direction of Connor's bed. A jester he'd learned about from an old story his godfather had told him the other day. I'll protect you, Connor, he said. I'll be your knight, and you can be king. Connor sighed in his sleep. He grinned, knowing he wouldn't wake up. Connor was too heavy a sleeper for that, and closed his eyes. Good try, Harry! You almost caught the snitch! Harry grinned and landed lightly, stabbing his feet into the dirt so that he wouldn't accidentally take off again. He loved to fly so much that he was quite capable of shooting himself up to the sky without meaning to. Thanks, Connor, he said, climbing off the broom and nodding to his brother. I'll keep trying. I'm sure with you for a coach, it won't take me long to get better. Connor, already off his broom, bounced over and messed up Harry's hair. Not that it needed the help. You'll get better, he said. Next match. Then he tossed the fluttering snitch into the air, ran over to his broom, leapt on it, and started chasing the little golden ball. Harry leaned back on the sun-warmed grass and watched. Connor was already 50 feet off the ground, then 60. Then he spiraled down in a daring dive that just missed the snitch, and the grass bows. He pulled out of it and Harry let out an anxious little breath. He showed his brother how to do the dive himself, because Connor had to be a good flyer, but he couldn't help the dread in his throat just in case this was the time that Connor crashed. A hand fell on his shoulder, and Harry rolled his head back, smiling when he saw who it was. I didn't know you were here, Padfoot, he said, and sat up to hug Sirius. His godfather hugged him back, one-armed, and sat down beside him. A hand fell on his shoulder, and Harry rolled his head back, smiling when he saw who it was. I didn't know who you were here, Padfoot, he said, and sat up to hug Sirius. His godfather hugged him back, one-armed, and sat down beside him. His eyes were also on Connor. Firmly convinced that that was the way it should be, Harry leaned against Sirius and closed his eyes. James wanted to take your mother out somewhere private, said Sirius finally, and then leered at Harry. Sirius! Ew! Harry wrinkled up his nose. He didn't really want to think about his parents having sex. Their 11th birthday was tomorrow, and they would receive their Hogwarts letters then. Harry knew that his parents were probably feeling anxious about this last month before they had to let Connor go out into the big, wide wizarding world, but he would just as soon not know what they were doing to settle their nerves. Sirius messed up his hair in turn. Harry was resigned to it by now. Anyway, Sirius added, they wanted someone here to look after you, just in case. Harry stiffened and threw away. I look after Connor, he said. That's what I do. Sirius smiled gently at him. I know Harry, but Connor's still a child. He sighed and looked up at Connor, missed the stitch, and flipped his broomstick half upside down to chase after it. And even though Peter, he spat the name, is an Azkaban, there are other Death Eaters who might be looking for a chance to harm him. Harry nodded. He knew all about the Death Eaters. 
His parents had given him the names of the ones they knew for certain and had him study their families and their powers and practice a few essential spells until he was almost good enough to stop the Death Eaters. Almost, Harry repeated to himself. He wanted to think he was good enough. Already. But that was hard to say until he actually faced the Death Eater in battle. Besides, he had to practice in secret. He was a little quicker than Connor to pick up spells, sometimes. And he couldn't embarrass or show up his brother. A little quicker, that's all. He processed and leaned back against and leaned back again to watch Connor once again catch the madly fluttering snitch. And I'm a little quicker on the broom, too, but I always hold myself just under his feet. He'll never know. And no one else ever will either. They'll all think he's the best. That pleased Harry. Quite apart from giving Connor his place in the sunshine, which was what he deserved after being marked for death by Voldemort. The extra advantages would come in handy someday. A Death Eater who thought Harry was slow on a broom might underestimate him. And then Harry would slam into him and take anyone trying to hurt his brother down. Merlin, Harry, you act like the weight of the world is on your shoulders sometimes, said Sirius, breaking his reverie. Are you all right? Harry hunched for a moment, then relaxed. He reminded himself that Sirius and Remus too thought that he was just being earnest and childish when he talked about protecting his brother. They didn't know the truth, like his mom did. No one would know the truth. Harry would be ordinary. I'm fine, he said. And I'm not carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. That's for Connor. Sirius's face softened, and he once again watched Connor until he caught up the snitch. He's going to have a rough road ahead of him, he agreed. Not as rough as it could be, Harry promised himself, drawing his knees up to his chin and putting his arms around him. I'll always be at your right shoulder, Connor. I've got your back, and no one will see me until they try to hurt you, and I hurt them instead. It was life. It was a way to be ordinary and yet ready to defend the boy who lived. It was a way to make sure that Connor survived. Harry listened to his twin, destined for a life of hardship and pain, laugh, and couldn't imagine anything he wouldn't sacrifice to keep that laughter intact. Chapter two is called Meetings, Cordial, and Otherwise. Now, Connor, be good for your professors. Do you have Godric? Good. Keep him in his cage for right now, at least until you get to Hogwarts. James, you are not sending the invisibility cloak with him. Yes, I saw you take it out of your pocket. Put it back right now. He doesn't need that in his first year. Harry trailed behind his parents as they escorted Connor towards Platform 9 and 3 quarters, smiling as he listened. Normally, his mother wasn't this fussy, but normally she had Connor right at home where she could keep an eye on him, or have Harry, or Sirius, or Remus keep an eye on him, and could pull her wand instantly if someone who might be a Death Eater approached. In the shouting, clamoring bustle of King's Cross, filled with muggles as well as wizards, there were more opportunities for someone to draw near and take aim at Connor. Harry wasn't that worried. He had tried a few of his favorite spells with his new wand the moment he bought it, and to his relief, they worked even better with that than they had with the practice wand. He even thought he could trust his snowy owl Hedwig to spy out danger if it approached. She sat in her cage on top of his trolley right now, staring in several directions with bright, golden eyes. She seemed more alert than Godric, Connor's black eagle owl, who either sat with his eyes closed 
or craned his head around to stare at people Harry knew from the set of their faces were innocent. Harry? Harry looked up, startled. They'd almost reached the magical wall that would permitted passage between the station and the platform, and he hadn't noticed his mother dropping back to walk beside him. Of course, she was an automatic non-threat, like Sirius Remus. Harry resolved to be more careful, though. There wouldn't be any automatic non-threats on the train. Yes, Mum, he murmured. Lily hesitated for a long moment, as though she were thinking of giving him the stream of advice she'd handed Connor. Harry waited patiently. She was only going to say one thing, and he knew what it was. But at the same time, he needed to hear it. It was confirmation of his purpose, of his loyalties, and his position in the world. Take care of your brother, said Lily at last. And something coiled and tense in Harry's head breathed out a sigh of relaxation. Of course, Mom, he said. Lily's hand swept across his fringe, stroking the scar that Harry knew was a distorted, imperfect reflection of his twin's first scar. You are the lightning bolt, she whispered. You strike hard and fast, and you don't leave any remains behind. Connor's the heart. Protect his innocence, Harry. Make sure that he's still pure and unspoiled at the end of it all. Had Master Dumbledore said that Connor would have the power the Dark Lord knows not, that's his ability to love. It has to be. But if he has to grow up too fast, he'll lose it. She's bent down and kissed Harry on his scar. Be sure that he can stay a child for just a little while longer. I will, Mum. Harry forced the words out through the lump in his throat. She had never said anything like that to him, ever. It was Connor's scar that was significant. Connor's scar that marked him for death and glory. To think that he was a part of what his brother was a part of, even for a little while. Lily looked as if she would have said something more, but Connor yelled from ahead, Harry, come on! The train's getting ready to leave! Harry and Lily exchanged smiles. Connor was innocently excited about going to Hogwarts, and perhaps anticipating just a little what they would make of the boy who lived. He saw it as such a big change in the life he'd lived so far, as if Everything would be different, and nothing the same ever again. In some ways, Harry thought, that was true. Connor would be doing real spells now, much more often than he'd done them at home. He would have to start growing up, losing his innocence, learning to love not just his parents and Harry and Sirius and Remus, but the whole wizarding world he'd have to protect someday. Harry was glad that his own life was so simple in comparison. His responsibility was what it had always been. Protect Connor. He touched his mother's hand one more time, then turned and walked through the barrier onto the platform. Hedwig hooted softly as he did so, as if impressed by the size and noise of the train. Harry kept an eye on his brother as they boarded, but Connor luckily chose an empty compartment. Harry slid in behind him and raised his eyebrows at him. Connor grinned cheekily back. They didn't actually look much like twins, Harry thought absolutely. The old insight brought home to him with new force, because seeing his brother in an entirely new place. Connor had black hair, but it was less messy than Harry's, so that his scar was usually half visible, the lower curve of the heart just peeking out. He had James's hazel eyes, 
and Lily's lack of need for glasses. And more of James's looks. Even that can be an advantage, Harry thought as he took a seat across from his brother. There's no possible way a Death Eater can mistake him, of course, but they might also not think I'm his brother. Aren't you excited? Connor asked him. Harry smiled. Of course I am, he said. But the best part is watching you bounce around like a chocolate frog. I am not bouncing, said Connor, bouncing. Yes, you are. I am not. Yes, you are. I am not. So they continued, enjoying the completely childish argument that their parents would have been yelling at them to stop inside two minutes. They'd probably been at it for ten minutes, and that course was. Harry turned to face it at once, making sure that his expression was welcoming and pleasant, just like Connor's innocent smile. His hand was on his wand, but that hung in the loose pocket of his school robe, which he already wore, and no one else had to know. The boy in the open door stood blinking for a moment, as if he had not expected two of them. Then he moved forward. Harry studied his red hair, and worn, if clean, clothes, and then slowly took his hand off his wand. The boy was almost certainly a Weasley, and the whole of that family was loyal to Dumbledore and fought for the Order of the Phoenix. The current mother had even lost relatives of Voldemort. Harry could trust this boy not to hurt Connor, at least until he proved otherwise. Hi, said the boy, and sat down across from Connor, next to Harry. I heard that... Connor Potter was in this compartment. Is that you? Connor grinned and lifted the fringe so that the boy could see his heart-shaped scar. The Weasley blinked and gaped in awe, then stuck out a hand, grinning. My name's Ron Weasley. It's brilliant to meet you. Do you know my parents? I think they know yours. Mom said something about visiting you once, and Dad said it was restricted, but... Harry sat back and let the chatter wash over him, watching through half-lowered eyes as his brother responded, skittish at first and then gaining confidence as he saw how fascinated with his presence Ron was. Connor had never been around other children his own age, any more than Harry had. It really was too dangerous for others to visit them, at least as long as Voldemort had a chance of coming back. That was one of the many reasons why Harry was pleased they were going to Hogwarts now. Connor would have many friends. Not all of them could be the children of Death Eaters assigned to spy on him. Though Harry was willing to think that many were, especially if they came from Slytherin House. The door of the compartment abruptly slid open again, and another boy stood just inside it. Harry tensed. This wizard had blonde hair, and the practice wore an expression of a pureblood, and the two other wizards flanked him like house elves. He glanced at the Weasley and sneered, and Harry's hand went to his wand. You're the boy who lived, he said to Connor. Aren't you? His tone, a lazy drawl that was too obviously forced. Connor nodded, his shoulders tense. Harry gave his brother full points for observation. He didn't know who this was yet, though he had his suspicions. And Connor, sheltered from the outside world, disliked the boy on principle. A good sign of an innocent heart. My name's Draco Malfoy, said the boy, and stepped forward, hand out as if he expected Connor to actually shake him. Harry stood, fully prepared for speaking ahead. Lucius Malfoy stood high in Voldemort's circle, and then escaped Azkaban on the flimsiest of excuses. Of all the children attending Hogwarts this year, his son was the one Harry would choose for most likely to try and kill Connor. Malfoy gave him an odd glance, then laughed. And who is this? He asked. Someone else paying court to you, Potter, like the Weasley? That's it, Harry thought. 
as he saw a familiar fire ignite in Connor's eyes. He's just lost his chance. This is my brother, Harry, said Connor, also standing up. He was slightly taller than he looked, and when he turned his gaze on Malfoy, the man he would become was visible. Harry nearly stopped breathing with admiration. If Connor had to lose a piece of his innocence to say, he was doing it for a worthy cause. And this is Ron Weasley, my friend. You're never going to be, so don't insult your betters. Malfoy froze for a moment, his eyes wide. Harry peered at him, wondering why. Then he understood. Malfoy was an innocent in his own way, it seemed. He'd come into the compartment as he probably walked everywhere, swaggering and drawling, and expected Connor to accept him, as everyone must have accepted him. The Malfoys would have raised their son around other purebloods, groomed into perfect statuary by their parents to show obedience to the rich and powerful, and the Malfoys were both. Why should the boy who lived be different from the children Draco had known all his life? Harry sighed, feeling an odd pity for the boy, and took his hand off his wand. And then he heard Connor snicker. Not that I'd want you to be my friend, he said. You have an ugly name. Connor! Harry cried, shocked. Defending the innocent was one thing. Hurling a childish insult was quite another. The purebloods were part of the wizarding world, too and Connor should have been above the kind of retaliation that Harry fully expected from someone like Draco. The hurt was still visible on Harry's face. He'd been too startled to hide. Connor could have made the rebukes thing a little less with the right words, and been on the road to gaining a valuable ally. These were definitely not the right words, for all that they said Ron's a laughing. They closed off that little hurt look on Malfoy's face. He straightened, and the wizards with him looked to him for orders. I should have expected that someone with a mudblood for a mother would have no sense of proper manners, and swept out the door. Connor cried out, and Ron said, That's tough, mate, what he said about your mum. Harry walked out the door of the compartment after Malfoy. What he'd said had been harsh, but Connor had provoked him. Harry knew the rules of wizarding courtesy from his father, and Sirius, Pureblood's book. Malfoy deserved an apology. Pickle rubbed his forehead as he walked. He'd got a headache in five seconds being inside that compartment with such a powerful wizard. Potter's magic hummed and sang around him and filled the air with a faint ringing vibration that Draco, like all properly trained Malfoys, could feel. It made his skull hurt. Clearly, Draco reflected, he'd have to put up tougher shields when he got to Hogwarts. He'd have to do that anyway, with so many other wizards around. But he blamed Potter for giving him a headache this early. Malfoy. Draco glanced over his shoulder and then stared. Behind him stood the other wizard, the one Potter had claimed was his brother. He'd been so quiet that Draco had barely noticed him and had included him in the insult tossed at the Weasley meaning by force of habit. He had dark hair even messier than Potter's and green eyes behind ugly glasses. And he made the air around him sing. Draco's eyes narrowed further and then furthered again. Is this some kind of bloody trick, he snarled, taking a step back towards Harry? That was his name. He wouldn't have used such language ordinarily, but he hated being insulted or fooled. His father wouldn't have You're the boy who lived, aren't you? Harry blinked. What? But he wasn't as confused as he pretended to be. Around him, his magic tensed and tightened into a single, sharp arrowhead aimed straight at Drake. Draco ground his teeth. You're the boy who lived, he said, not the other one. Did you think I'd think it was funny and come crawling back to you? 
Malfoys don't crawl. Not even for the Dark Lord, Potter murmured. His eyes sparked with lazy amusement. Beyond infuriated, Draco tried to turn around again, but Potter's hand caught his arm. Vincent and Gregory started forward, but halted when Draco shook his head slightly. They were well trained, but there was no way they were ready to face the wizard of Potter's power. Draco stood stiffly, fully expecting a hex he knew he couldn't stop. So, of course, he was utterly astonished when Potter passed one hand across his brow, lifting up the fringe enough to let Draco see that his scar was a lightning bolt, not a heart, and murmured, In Merlin's name, I ask that you forgive me for my unfair hasty words and my brother for his. I do not know if you will accept these terms, but I ask them. Truce between us and neutrality henceforth. Draco stared again. He was spending an unworthy amount of time doing that today. But all the words were correct. And Potter's face was earnest when he offered them, his eyes meeting Draco steadily. It didn't, of course, stop that ringing impossible power, compacted and folded into perfect obedience, which still continued to give Draco a headache. But perhaps it didn't need to. This Potter knew pure-blood courtesies. This Potter had come to offer them to Draco. This Potter let go of his arm the moment the ceremony was done and backed off a cautious distance, his magic swirling in lazy patterns of sound, ready to attack, but not poised as it had been before. The absolutely proper thing to do, given that Draco hadn't responded yet. This Potter hummed and sang with pure magic. And if he wasn't the major source of the power that Draco had sensed in the compartment, he would eat his own hand. And yet he wasn't the boy who lived. Draco had two choices in that moment. He could continue to believe he was being tricked and stomp away in righteous indignation. Or he could accept what was offered and see what happened. Perhaps Connor Potter was more powerful than Harry. Perhaps he was so powerful that Draco couldn't sense him. Or perhaps Harry, who, after all, couldn't feel his own strength, didn't know anything about the R he carried, and had even more hidden depths, ones that didn't have anything to do with spells. Draco knew what he would prefer to be true, but he would at least take the chance offered and see what happens. He laid a fist over his heart, bowed, and extended his hand. Harry actually exhaled with relief when he took it. Thank you, he said, and bowed back, and walked back into the compartment without trying to explain himself. That was also absolutely proper, Draco thought, watching him go with a hunger that had no name yet. He would have to write a letter to his father when he arrived at school. He wondered what Lucius would make of it. Why did that happen? Vincent whispered. His voice was tinged with awe. He couldn't feel Harry, but he knew that Draco wouldn't have accepted an apology from just anyone. I don't know, said Draco. Not yet. But I'll tell you one thing. He left it at the end of a deliciously long pause. Yeah? Gregory asked, leaning forward. Draco smiled at the compartment door, which was now closed. There is going to be a potter in Slytherin. And that was the end of the second chapter of Saving Connor. Uh, I'm decided I'm going to put it an end here. Thank you so much for listening. Um, 
think of doing this once a week. And I, for next week, I'm going to be doing chapter three and four of Saving Connor. Uh, and that is uh, Arguments with the Sorting Hat and Detention with the Potions Master. Um, once again, thank you for listening. I am so excited about doing this series. Let it be, let it be heard by so many people who never would have read the series. And I am so thankful to the author. Thank you, Lightning on the Wave, wherever you are, for creating this wonderful saga. And thank you, J.K. Rowling, for creating the universe that allowed this saga to be created. We should care about trans people, though. See you guys next week.